Hey, my name's Logan Wolf, and I'm speaking to you from my office in Provo, Utah. Welcome to episode one of my podcast, Everything I Did Wrong as a Church Planter, a million-part series. Now, my wife, Grayson, and I have been in Provo for nearly 12 years now. We're just a few months shy of the 12-year mark. And as I shared in the teaser episode, our ministry has taken on a number of forms during that time. Uh, We began, um, as a lot of church plants do, as a mobile church. Um, We were meeting in the conference center of a Baymont Inn and Suites. Well, what started as a a Best Western and became a Baymont Inn and Suites. And every week we would go in and we would set up and have our service, and then we'd tear down, pack up, and leave. Uh, We did that for five years. And then five years in, um, we absorbed another ministry. There was a a church plant in a county just north of us, and the church planter was preparing to move away. And uh, instead of closing that church plant down, um, we navigated a church merger, something I had no idea how to do. And with that merger, we basically became multi-site, something else I had absolutely no idea how to do. Um, We had two buildings and staff in two different cities, and I was running back and forth between the two. And we operated that way for more than three years. And then one day I just came to the realization, um, that we weren't making disciples. And I've shared this in other interviews and another podcast. Um, We were just putting on this very poorly produced, underfunded one-man show every week. And that is not why I moved to Utah. And so we transitioned into a network of house churches. Yet another something that I had absolutely no idea how to do. And we've been doing that for almost four years now. My goal with this podcast um, is to talk back through all of that, um, to just share and rehash everything uh, in order to um, point out to you what I would do differently if I was pursuing the same courses of action, those same methodologies, like what I would do differently if we were doing the launch model again or mobile church again or multi-site again or whatever, as well as what I would do differently if I was starting from scratch, having experienced all that and knowing everything I know now, um, basically just what I would do completely differently. And my hope in, in that, my hope in talking back through this is to save you, um, if you want, some of those missteps that I've... Uh, I've made along the way, as well as to save you some of the frustration and the heartache and the tears, um, the hurt that I've gone through these last 12 years, as well as just to save you your time and your energy uh, and your money as you labor or are preparing to labor in your city. So I was mapping out some of the the topics I wanted to hit, uh, making that very, very long list of mistakes that I've made. And I think with this first episode and and likely the next several episodes, I want to talk about everything I did wrong as we were preparing to move. So on the very front end, that, that season of preparation before actually moving to arriving in uh, Utah. And so what I want to share today in this first episode is not necessarily the first mistake I made in a chronological sense, but it it's the first one I want to highlight because it was so detrimental 
uh, I think to the work here. And it was something that kept coming up because I, I hadn't quite nailed it down. Um, so not just as we were preparing to move and then as we were preparing to do our grand opening service, our big launch day, and then as we were transitioning into multi-site and then as we transitioned into house church, it just kept becoming an issue. So because it's so foundational, I thought we would start there. Um, it just kept tripping us up. And so here it is the, the very, the first mistake that I want to share with you is that I had no biblical ecclesiology. I basically didn't know what church was supposed to be. Um, And that's the definition I kind of want to use here. I I know there are a lot of different nuanced definitions of ecclesiology, just depending on your background or this particular realm of study we're talking. My aim with this podcast is to be practical, um, regardless of your theological preferences. And so I don't want any episode to get... Uh, bogged down in theological jargon or drift into the abstract. Um, I'm certainly not interested in drawing lines in the sand or pitting one um, segment of the audience against another uh, at, at, at all. For the, for the purpose of our discussion today, all I mean when I say ecclesiology is that I didn't understand biblically how a church... Um, a gathered group of local believers, men and women who have repented of their sin and put their faith in the completed work of Jesus Christ on the cross and have since been indwelled by the Holy Spirit of God. How does that group of people function together? What do they do together? What does it look like to gather? Um, and because I didn't know the answer to that, um, because I didn't know how a church was supposed to function, I didn't have this clear target to aim for as we were getting started. Um, I didn't have this picture that I could hold up and assess our ministry as we got underway. Like, are we going in the right direction? My understanding of church was derived by observation And um, what I was observing was just largely personal preferences and and traditions. Now, there are uh, pastors in my family. There's uncles and a grandfather um, all on my mother's side. And uh, so Whitman Church growing up was visible, I guess, the idea of ministry. But my immediate family... Um, my brothers, my parents, we actually didn't begin participating in a church together uh, with any regularity until I was halfway through middle school. So what are you in middle school? Um, 11, 12-ish. So we, at that point, began attending a church, and it happened to be a church plant um, right there in the town where I grew up, in Wilmington, North Carolina. And we were attending right from the outset. So this was a church plant that was just getting started. Um, We weren't at the first official service, but we were there shortly thereafter and began attending. So it was a denominational project, um, something the denomination was partnering with, with the the state level, um, the the church planting um, ministry there in North Carolina. I don't think it matters uh, that you know 
the denomination. Um, I don't think that affects the story any. Um, and maybe it's because of its denominational ties. There were certain activities that it did, and then there were certain activities that it didn't do. Um, some of that may have been not necessarily driven by the denomination, but just the culture of North Carolina. And then some of it, obviously, just the personal preferences and character um, of the the planting pastor, the, the, the staff there. So uh, I'm going to paint with a very broad brush. Um, and so it's not my goal to offend you or I'm not, again, it's a broad brush. So if you get upset or disagree, I'm telling you it's a broad brush. So get over it. And, uh, it's, I would say it's not theologically primary issues that differentiate denominations as much as it is secondary and tertiary issues. So traditions, right? And again, that's a broad brush. So you have these denominational umbrellas that believe one thing under them. You have churches that are part of that denomination subscribe to that denominational um, belief system. And they may or may not all believe in the same thing or agree on the same thing. And it's probably a big part of where they are regionally. Churches in one state or one part of the country may look different than churches in another state or another part of the country, even though they claim to be part of the same denomination. And then, of course, individual churches uh, and individuals within those churches uh, might disagree or agree on different things based on experiences and local tradition and, um, again, preferences and, and all that kind of stuff. And so I, I say that to say, um, I am painting again, I'm painting with a, a broad brush there. I'm going to make some statements here and I'm not trying to, to pin, pin everybody down. Um, I attended what was a denominational church. It was in the Bible Belt. It was in North Carolina. It was a church plant, and there was one full-time staff member there. All of that, no doubt, affecting what I'm about to tell you. So I'm attending this church through the rest of middle school, all through high school, between semesters at Bible College, and then I even, after I graduated Bible College, I was on staff at this church um, for a number of years, for a couple years, before Grayson and I moved to Utah. At no point do I recall, and so this is personal recollections, this may or may not be true, but as I'm looking back, thinking back through it, I do not recall um, anyone ever explaining to me from the Bible what church is or isn't. Um, Growing up in that church, Again, this could be wrong. I don't recall that conversation in Bible college. I could be way off base there. Um, I don't even, this is jumping ahead a little bit, but I don't even remember like our sending agency, either of them, um, asking us what our definition of church was or sharing with us their definition of church or what a church should do, uh, which is incredible. Like, that's a big deal. And so it was just, I don't, it was never articulated, explained. So basically what that means is what I just said a moment ago, my understanding of church was coming out of my own observations. What I experienced each week in this place with this specific group of people, that was what church was. I was never, I never had to articulate it. I was never asked to articulate it. Um, But my experience, those observations were certainly shaping my understanding of what church was. Now, to try to 
I was trying to think how to put it in words for you now as I'm recording this, um, thinking back through this. I would say that my definition of church was a group of people gathered together to worship God through singing hymns, tithing, and listening to a message preached from the Bible. But that's what I understood church to be. Now, there was a couple other elements like corporate prayer and communion, but those didn't happen regularly on a Sunday morning. And for that first little while, that's all that my family was attending was Sunday morning. Um, those types of things were happening more on like Sunday nights or a midweek service, like a Wednesday night or something like that. So down the road, this terrible little definition became the source of that, that tension uh, between form and function. And I think that conversation around form and function is incredibly important, especially important when it comes to our understanding of church. So what I just described um, a second ago, a group of people gathered together to worship God through singing hymns, tithing, and listening to a message preached from the Bible, um, there are clearly some functions contained in that, some functions. And I would just, gathering, obviously is one, that's a big one. Worshiping is taking place there. Giving, um, generosity is taking place there. And so is devotion to the word. So those are, we could identify those as some functions of the church. But the underlying assumption in that definition was that those functions played out in a very specific form. And that form, from the outset of that church plant my family was a part of, attended, um, was rows of chairs facing a pulpit at the front where the pastor, the clergy, the professional, um, and in our, my situation, often in a tie, often dressed up, um, led everything from the front, basically facilitated the whole gathering from the front to the people for the people that were in those rows. Now, the correctness, the necessity of that form was reinforced in, in my mind, not just over years at that one church. Again, that's the one church I attended growing up. But even getting in the Bible college, the Bible college I went to had ministries from, from all over um, represented, people from different churches. But they were all ministries that ascribed to that one form, meaning you could go into nearly any single one of the churches represented, and it would essentially look the same. Rows of chairs, pews, whatever, facing the front where there's a pulpit, where there's a pastor, the professional, the clergy, the one person doing all the speaking, um, facilitating all the conversation, doing ministry for on behalf of, um, of the people. And so when I was a staff member at that church in North Carolina after college, I basically brought that form um, into everything I did. So it was a youth group. Um, I brought that form with me. I would go into a classroom. I'd have all these kids gathered. I'd set up the chairs in rows. I'd put the podium at the front. They'd come in. I'd do all the talking. I'd do all the speaking. I'd do it like, at them, for them. Um and with the same thing, even as we come here, we're preparing for our grand opening service, our launch service. We have this conference center, completely empty room. We could do anything we want with it. And what do we do? We set it up in rows, put a podium at the front, and when people came in, 
I did all the speaking. I did the ministry on their behalf for them. In fact, I've got, if you're watching this um, on the YouTube channel, I'll, uh, I have at least one picture in my mind that I can throw up there to kind of show you what I'm talking about. You, I mean, just how we set up for that, for that service. So I'll put that picture on there. When we went into the multi-site, the buildings, again, could set up any way we want. We to set up in rows, podium up front. Um, I'm one person doing all the speaking. We did these other Bible studies and even did this worship service in a, a nursing home for a long time. Set up the same way. We're just like beholden to this form. Rows facing the podium up front, one person doing all the, all the talking. So regardless of the setting, I could not step away from this basic form. And so the functions began to serve that form. So whatever it is we thought we would do when we gathered, we plugged it into this specific form. It looked this way. Now, what I should have done to gain clarity on the functions of a church uh, was to have gained clarity on the functions of a church and let, um, let that guide the form in any given setting. Does that make sense? What What I should have done is is realize, okay, here's what we have to do. Here's things that are important and it can look whatever best facilitates that in a given setting. So um, what we did in the nursing home may have, and I would say looking back, probably should have looked different than what we did in the conference center of the hotel. And what we did in the conference center of the hotel probably, again, should have maybe looked different than what we did when we were in the buildings and and so on and, and so on. What's more is that having clarity on the functions would have given us this biblical target to aim for as we grew and matured as a body. Because right now, right then, excuse me, all we were aiming for was this form. So when we had our grand opening service and it was set up in rows and the podium, the pulpit up front, and I'm doing all the speaking and this is it. Like the assumption was, well, this is, we did the one thing that we did what we're supposed to do. And now I just do this until I die. <laughs> the rest of my life, I will set up here and I will preach from this podium and that'll be it. Uh, instead of having a clear idea on what we should do as we gather and letting that drive our time together. So for example, I, I will say a, a biblical church is devoted to prayer. That's something I would, that's a conviction of mine derived from scripture. I wouldn't budge on that. A biblical church is devoted to prayer. So a question I could have asked in the weeks or the months following our grand opening service could have been, how can we teach on prayer? How can we instill a biblical understanding of prayer? All right. How could we incorporate prayer into our gatherings? How can we involve more people in prayer when we gather? Like those are questions about function um, that would move us towards maturity and health, right? Um, I think clarity in those functions would also have given us a biblical means of assessment at different times, whether that's a an assessment, you know, week to week as we're preparing for the next Sunday or an assessment at the end of the year, looking back over a season of ministry, an assessment as we're transitioning from mobile church to multi-site to house churches. We could have asked questions. We have this picture of what we should be doing and we can now hold it up to what we are doing or what we have, have done. So again, using prayer as the example, if it's a necessary function, I could have asked, are we a people of prayer? If someone was to come in and observe our service, 
Um, would they say we are devoting ourselves to prayer when we gather? I could have asked, does everyone who gathers with us regularly, do they understand what prayer is? Do they know how to pray for themselves? Are they praying for themselves between Sundays? Like those are, again, questions that are moving up their assessments, but they're based on the function, moving us towards maturity and health. Now, I don't want this podcast to become me telling you what to do as a as much as it is me sharing my experience and you deciding, you know, have I thought through that? Again, my goal is just to be helpful, to get you thinking. I do, however, want to suggest like actionable items, like some takeaways, the things that I I would rec, I would recommend. Um, And so with this first mistake, um, the lack of biblical ecclesiology, understanding what a church is, I would suggest, I would think it would be helpful. Number one, uh, for you to ask your pastor or your college professors or your denominational leadership or your mission board or your sending agency or whoever else it is that has skin in the game as you're preparing to, to plant, I would ask them, one, how do you define church? How do you define church? And then maybe piggybacking on that too, what do you see as the biblical functions of a church? Like what does a church have to do? What's a, what's the biblical functions? Now, I say, I suggest asking that I say that not because you're looking for them to define those things for you. Uh, and I don't know, their answers may be completely bogus, you know, but that I am asking you to do that. I'm suggesting you do that because it will bring clarity to your conversations. It'll keep you from talking past each other when they know, you know, what you mean by church and you know what they mean by church. It will make the conversations a lot smoother. You know, they're talking about planting a church, starting a church, launching a church, multiplying churches. What do they mean by that versus what do you mean? And so again, keep you, keep you from talking past each other. The second suggestion I want to make here is I suggest you, um, or you and your team spend some time walking through the word in order to get a working biblical understanding, not just of what, um, or rather who the church is, but also what the church does, what those functions are. Um, again, there's so many activities a church can give itself to. Not all of them are important. Not all of them are are biblical. Um, to get the word. Don't read your experiences into the passages, your preferences into the passages, your denominational positions into the passages. Just let the word speak for itself. I think a good exercise would be going through the Gospels, And what do you see the disciples, the followers of Jesus doing? What's it assumed they will do? What does Jesus explicitly command them to do? And maybe put that in in one column on a sheet of paper on a whiteboard. Um, Then do the same thing through Acts. And then look for parallels. When you go through the book of Acts, what are the disciples doing? What's it assumed that they'll do? How are they living out things that Jesus had commanded them to do? Where do you see the overlap between the Gospels and Acts? Uh, That's a helpful study. Uh, A deep dive into Acts chapter 2. These Christians that were closest to the life and ministry of Jesus, what are they doing? What are the verbs, the actions, the functions in that chapter? In Acts chapter two, or consider the epistles. A lot, the man, the epistles. There's a lot of um, correction that comes through the epistles. So what what are they drifting away from? Um, what are what are they reprimanded for? And maybe even the flip side of that: what are they praised for? What are they? What's what's acknowledged that they're doing that is good? Um, I would I would write those things down 
as well. And then step back and say, okay, how does this jive? How does this compare to what I've always believed or always been told or always thought? And where there's discrepancies, what we need to change is not our the word, but what we need to change is, okay, then maybe I've been wrong in my understanding, my beliefs, my position, position on a few things. How does it, what would it look like to tweak those things, to bring those things more in line with scripture going forward? I hope that helps you. Um, if it has, please subscribe to the podcast, uh, leave a rating wherever you're receiving this podcast or downloading this podcast. I would also ask that you share it, um, pass it along to your church planting colleagues, friends, teammates, uh, whether they're already on the field or preparing to go. Again, my my hope is I could just be helpful. My goal is to be helpful and encouraging to you as you're laboring for the kingdom. My name is Logan Wolf, And again, this is my podcast, Everything I Did Wrong as a Church Planter, a million-part series. I'll see you next time.